0: my first guest 282 winners in hong kong and 37.1 million pounds in prize money but he is back he was dubbed the iron man by the chinese press that is a sort of reception he used to receive when he wrote a winner from the huge and enthusiastic hong kong racing and betting public he is of course neil callan neil great to see you
1: Thank you, thank you. it's nice to, to be on the show
0: and we've missed you but i don't know how much you've missed us how much have you missed british racing
1: I know, I, I've, um, I've always kept in touch with it. Um, uh, I, always, I had live, live feed out in Hong Kong so I could watch live racing uh, when the timing was right. But, um, and obviously I watched your show from afar and um, you've seen what a good job you were doing. So it's, it's, it's a privilege actually to be on here. So it's nice to be home.
0: Well, it's great to have you with us. Why did you come back?
1: Uh, I suppose it was a mixture of uh, a lot of things. Um, My kids were getting a bit older. I've got four boys and my eldest son Jack is 14 and I've got Henry's 12 and I suppose they're kind of getting to that teenage stage where um, my eldest son Jack wants to be a jockey. He's dead set on it Um, and it's something.
0: What do you you think about that?
1: uh, It's something I'll support. Absolutely. Why, Why wouldn't I? Like look at the career it's given me and the life it's given me and the life it's given my family. So, you know, One thing I will always do in life is that I will support my kids, whatever they do, as long as they're not bums. (laughs) But, um, you know, um, yeah, I think that's most important. You've got to support your kids in whatever they're going to do. And if Jack wants to be a jockey, then I'll fully support him.
0: So that was the big driving force. You felt that the rest of their upbringing should be here in Europe rather than than in Hong Kong.
1: Yeah, I think in Hong Kong, like, the lifestyle is... um, it's very good. It's a little bit, um, no, I wouldn't say false, but it's, it's, it's not real life, you know, it's, it's nearly too good, you know, um, and um, you kind of grow up a little bit spoiled and um, I just thought now at this stage with those, the old boys getting a bit older and the younger ones following them up, I think it was uh, time to come home, so the timing was right.
0: When you, you left to ride in Hong Kong, and I know you had a, a bit of time where you were doing the two. You were riding here and riding in Hong Kong in the winter. But when it came to the decision to up sticks and take the whole family out and to live there, what did your wife Trish say to you?
1: Uh, she, obviously, she's a bit apprehensive because, you know, um, her family was in Newmarket, where our, where our home was. And, um, you know, she was very close to her grandfather because he used to take her show jumping as, as a kid and uh, she was still doing a lot of shows when we were le- when we- just before we left. So um, I suppose she was a little bit uptight about that, you know, because it's a big move if you're going to go the other side of the world and kind of have it in the back of your mind that if you do well over one season, two seasons, then it's going to be like three seasons, four seasons, five seasons. But, um, you know, it was down to me to convince them, and I did. So then obviously I had to perform. To take them all the way over there to um, prove to them it was it was a good idea. So,
0: I said it's been described as the the toughest jockeys group, the toughest jockeys colony, as they used to call it in the in the world. Is that is that a fair assessment of Hong Kong? Do you think?
1: Yeah, like I mean, when I rode in in England before that, um, obviously you, you you have to perform on a daily basis. You race seven days a week, but you know what? I used to ride, I I rode a lot of uh, years for Kevin Ryan, so like, you know, we're, very good relationship, always had good horses every season, you know, so you give the odd one a bad ride, and you move on to the next day and it's quickly forgotten about, whereas in Hong Kong you race twice a week, and it's very scrutinised by the local press, the international press, and there's so much information out there that, you know, the scope is on you, and a new jockey coming in you've got to quickly uh, perform because you can uh, drop out very very quickly and you know it's 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 like swimming into the tide you know if, 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 if you kind of drop back it's harder to make that extra yard so you kind of have to be very very kind of aggressive uh, very on the ball uh, very focused there's so much so much you have to be on
0: when you arrive there you get any help?
1: When I <laughs> went there first, <laughs> it's like it's com- it's it's a bit different because it's completely different to what we used to in the UK. UK, you have a, an agent who books all your rides. Um, they kind of help you with your form, and you know you walk with your trainer. And when you go there, it's kind of like, okay, here's your license. Uh, there's the trainer stand, and um, you're on your own. Quite terrifying. Well, it is, but, you know, at the start, I suppose it is, and then you kind of have to realise that, well, nobody's going to help me here, so I've got to help myself. So I've got to get in, do my own PR. I have to interact with the trainers. Then I have to obviously meet some owners, get in with them, get to know them. And then once you start kind of getting rolling and getting a few winners, then you have to – you don't rest on your laurels. You have to kind of push out and meet new people and new owners, and then those – owners introduce you to other owners and um, you just kind of build up a rapport between everybody and yeah that's that's literally what you got to do
0: it, it seems to me just looking from the outside that you have to have this combination of being quite alpha quite aggressive but at the same time being a, an arch diplomat it's, diff- it's quite a difficult balance to strike isn't it
1: you certainly have to be diplomatic because um there's only 24 trainers and 23 24 jockeys so, you know, if you're to fall out with a few trainers along the way, you know, you, you, it narrows your, your, your gap to, to chase the rides that you want to get on. So, yes, you have to be diplomatic. Um, you have to learn how to conduct yourself. But also you have to be a little bit aggressive, like you say, because you have to be able to push yourself into these people to convince them that you're good enough to be there and good enough to win on their horses.
0: The Chinese press dubbed you Iron Man. Where did that come from?
1: Um, It's quite funny. um, Well, not funny, but um, I rode in a race one day um, and unfortunately my horse got brought down, he clipped heels. And um, I kind of rolled out through the rails and then on the inside of the the, the track there's a drain which runs along by the road. I nearly fell into that. And um, anyway, I literally felt like I was okay, got up most important thing was to run to help the horse I could see he was in quite some difficulty so I held on to him till the vets got there Uh, once the vets had him then I got the tack off and then literally looked around for the nearest car jumped in the car like I'm in the next race I need to go rushed back ran across the track uh, ran into the wear room um, getting some applause from trainers and that but I didn't really think anything of it I just rushed in got ready for the next race come back out and I think I won the next race. And um it's funny when I came back in there was like applause and cheers and everything and like I just felt like I was doing my job and, and I'm a competitive sportsman. So but anyway, the next day the Chinese press put up all over the papers that um that I was gonna be dubbed the Iron Man. So I thought it was a good fit. And it was a good <laughs> it was a good name to have, so you know,
0: <laughs> I still got it. There's worse <laughs> nicknames to have. And did it give you did it give you that little bit of identity that you need? Because is being N. Callan just not quite enough
1: yeah obviously like I mean you have to be yourself but when you're out there and it's uh, they're so passionate about the sport like it's the number one sport in Hong Kong horse racing that um, once you get labeled with a big name or a dubbed with a name like that um, you know it's, it's, it's good it helps
0: when Moreira came along, and everyone knows what he's done for, for Hong Kong racing, and they called him the Magic Man. Um, how did that make you feel? You've been there as part of the as part of the jockeys' firmament, big competitor, and he gets this kind of stardust status. What, how did it how did it resonate amongst all the other riders?
1: Ah, uh, look, throughout the years, even from when I first started going there, before Joe even got there, you know, you had like Saddam Bean, Brett Prebble, Jeffrey Lloyd. You had a lot of top jockeys there. Uh, Christoph Soumion has been out there uh for a long time and then Joe came from Singapore and he was like um he went from Brazil to Singapore and he was champion jockey and I knew they were trying to get him there beforehand anyway and uh, eventually he came and he obviously came with this big aura that he was going to just take over and uh he kind of did you know he's he just makes certain horses run that uh Obviously, he hadn't before, and he gets the status of Magic Magic Man Joe. And um, you know, you don't you don't really kind of feel put out by it because there is so many jockeys filtered through Hong Kong, and some do well, and some top jockeys don't. So it's determined by who you are, your personality, how you approach things, and how you you conduct yourself, and obviously how you get horses to run. and Joe did that very well, so. It didn't put me out because um, you know, once you're there you kind of you look after yourself really, you know. And, and Joe's a good guy and he's been doing great things in Hong Kong. So you know, it's like the Ryan Moore in England. You know, he's top chucky here and has been for a long time. You've got to respect these people as well.
0: Even somebody as um, successful and illustrious as, as Joe Marrera has gone on record as saying that the mental stress that he was put under by by riding there has been significant and there wasn't much in the way of support for that. Is, something, is that something you could identify with?
1: Yeah, it's something that uh, had been brought up in the past there. Um, you know, it's it's very um, it's very difficult to ride there because it's quite intense and it's um, very professional. And like I said, the, the scope is always on you. So you have to perform or you get forgot about very quickly. So but even more so in the last 12 to 18 months, when, when COVID and the pandemic hit, like it, it literally stopped racing around the world. But Hong Kong, they did it, the Hong Kong Jockey Club did an amazing job to keep racing going. Um, but it was under tight restriction, you know, we were literally screwed down, but we were like, couldn't go out, mix, go play golf, which is one of the best main pastimes that we used to do. Um... Mixing with certain owners, mix them with certain people. So we understood that we had to be proactive and we had to help racing carry on. Yeah. So we were more than willing to be careful and, and kind of safeguard racing in Hong Kong to keep it going. Um, but I suppose as time wore on, it got a little bit more um, tight and a little bit more um, not mentally stressful, like... I'm quite a tough person, so I was able to handle pretty much anything that, that was thrown at me throughout my career anyway. But with, with what Joe was saying, that over a period of time, and being restricted, and it just kind of wears away at you. And I remember that um, my kids were going to school there. Uh, I had three kids in school, and... I was getting a little bit worried and my wife actually was getting, Trish was getting a little bit, not upset about it, but she was just worrying about what if the kids get it from school and what if they bring it back in and, because we're all in a kind of a close And then it shuts the, community. Whole, the whole thing down. Yeah, and if one yeah. brings it in, like the whole thing shuts down. So we didn't be, want to be the ones that caused it. So that's what I'm saying, that was the most thing that we worried about was like our kids. So I then took my kids out of school and made them do homeschooling on Zoom, even though the school was carrying on. Um, And then I had like four kids in an apartment, doing live Zoom school, all in the same vicinity, doing different classes. So you can imagine how uh, uptight and a bit stressful that was. (laughs) I think
0: there's there's so much empathy from people watching for your situation there, it's one of these universal problems of people homeschooling and trying to work and trying to do their jobs and not impact upon everybody else at the same time.
1: Yeah, and then I had to book my own rides, So I had to do all my own homework. So like look through races, chase trainers and chase rides. And I had to do all that at the same time. So, you know, that kind of, as strong and as strong a person as I have been and always have been, It just got a little bit on top of me towards the end. And, um, you know, I suppose um, one thing led to another and, uh, you know. Uh,
0: It's the elephant in the room, and I know you don't want to talk about it too much, but we have to address it. You've got a big suspension towards the end of your time in Hong Kong and you've got it half reduced on appeal for an altercation in the stewards' room. Is it something in time you think you're going to feel comfortable talking about? Is it something you want to say more about?
1: Yeah, I, of course I'm going to talk about it at some stage, um, you know, because um, there was a lot said about it at the time, and there's been a lot said about it after, and there's a lot of people asking me. But, um, you know, I, I've I've kept it quite low-key and kept it uh, closed doors, because I think at the moment um, I've left the door open for the Hong Kong Jockey Club to, to um, invite me back, even if it's for a winter stint. So, you know, it's something that I would be interested in doing. So, you know, I don't want to cut my nose off despite my face. And um, you know, look, um, if if I can go back at some stage in the winter time, I, I'd love to go back and uh I've had great success there, so I don't see why I couldn't.
0: You talk about your toughness, your mental resilience. You've survived a decade in, in Hong Kong, which is an awful lot more than most people do. You talk about the fact that, you know, you quite enjoy the challenge. Where does all that come from? What what instilled that into you as a as a boy or a young man?
1: Well, I've always wanted to be a jockey since I was a kid. Um I used to record racing uh on the T V when I went to school, come home and be able to watch it. So and that was like the kind of pattery Willie Carson, all that era. So it was quite exciting and it was something I always wanted to do. And um you know, I suppose when you're growing up and you get a chance. So I started out with Kevin Pendergast. Did two and a half years with him and it was like quite tough. I wasn't the most professional at that time as a kid because you know, you're kind of a little bit wet behind the ears and you're not, you know, you're still learning. Um, and that kind of looked like it was slipping away and I was going to have to do something else. And um, I just got a chance to be able to go to the UK and I teamed up with Karl Brock as a kid And um, I suppose it was determination that I got a second chance to be able to be a jockey, something I always wanted to do. And um, I did. And I think, like going back to what you're saying, I think it was more determination that, uh, you know, this is what I wanted to be. And I always had that kind of toughness in me. I was always quite a tough character. So I suppose with that and the determination to um, succeed, I always just used to push myself
0: do you think that mentality is genetic something you were born with is it were you inspired by people growing up either parents or friends or or relatives
1: i always was always very close to my grandmother and um, and she used to love racing actually my grandfather at the time uh he used to do a lot of um at the races the current race course he used mm-hmm. to do the the in those days it was like the boards where you put the betting price yep. up opposite the track so I used to put the boards up for him and he'd get all the information from across the track on the walkie-talkie and I would put the betting, uh, the, the prices on the board up. And my uncle used to do all the jockeys list, which was all done by hand. He'd put them in by board and some were chalk and some were print. And uh, he used to wind me up and uh, tell me, you know, until you're a jockey and you're good enough, you're a chalk jockey. So, so <laughs> I suppose things like that, you know, growing up kind of, Spurred me into wanting to to succeed and do well. Obviously, back then I never thought that I'd be where I am now or as good as I had done in my career. Uh, But I suppose things, little things like that, kind of spur you on. And uh, when I went to England, I I never been a print jockey. I I always used to let him know.
0: Not a chalk jockey anymore. Not a chalk jockey anymore. But you started off by saying it was your grandmother. Tell me a bit more about her, because she was obviously a big influence on you.
1: Yeah, she, I was very close to my grandmother. Um,
0: so is this your father's mother? My mother's mother. Your mother's yeah. mother.
1: Um, I used to go and see her after school every day. Um used to run down to town, put her bets on for her, get her fish and chips, and uh, put her bets on. And the lady in the bookmaker's like, she'd only have small money, like 2 pounds fifty, fifty 50 p cross trebles and all these things. I would, just hand the tickets in and the lady knew who I was so she would take the (laughs) notes. and then I'd go home and sit with my grandma and just be all teletext at the time so we used to just uh, check all the results and it was it was really fun because I I used to love when she'd have a winner and she'd be cheering and just things like that growing up so she was a big influence to me that when I was a jockey that I always used to send her texts or you she would send me a voice message when I had a winner. And i just get, like, granny here and well done or, you know, good luck for tomorrow. And so, yeah, that, 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 all that sort of thing at the start kind of built me up then that when I did go to England and I was starting to get better and more successful, that I was kind of doing it for her. So that's kind of what spurred me on.
0: And has that informed the way that you've approached how to sort of marshal your own children's career you were talking about how your son wants to be a jockey is that, is that idea of constancy someone always just being there as a quiet reassuring presence, is that the way you would like to do things?
1: Yeah, because you know, obviously uh, I'm going to have a lot of advice to give him but he has to find his own way too, you know, so he's been, um, Jack's been writing out um, for Dave Simcock at the moment so uh, David and Jenny's been really good with him, letting him come in and go up to the gallops and have a look at the gallops. and um, There could be a bit of competition for Jack, I think, because uh, Kevin Ryan, my old boss, is, is God Dad, so <laughs> we'll have to... Um, I don't know how we're going to handle that. <laughs> but, uh, look, he's enjoying it at the moment. Like, he gets up himself in the morning, he gets on his bike and he goes straight to Dave Simcox and he goes and rides out and he doesn't need anybody to help him to get up or drive in there. So, you know, it's um, something that he's wanting to do. And this is what I say to you, like, I don't want to push him and I don't, want to tell him, I don't want to tell him how to do things. He has to kind of find his own way. And then along the way, you know, I'll be giving him pointers, obviously, I'm sure. But uh, I'm sure he'll be telling me to go away and, <laughs> and all that. But I think I'd like to just help guide rather than tell him to do things a certain way or my way. Because when I grew up, I kind of found my way and I pushed myself and for my own reasons. Um, so I think he kind of has to do the same thing.
0: But you had that framework of love and support in the background there.
1: Absolutely. And I think
0: and that gave you the confidence.
1: Of course. And when you look at like most jockeys, kids, even nowadays, when they come up um, and they have the breakthrough and then they have the big interview, there's always something like that in the background that they talk about a family influence or some sort of like a personal influence that helps spur them on to be where they are. So I think everybody needs that. Every young jockey or young sportsman needs that sort of inspiration to push themselves and to perform at their best.
0: And then, of course, you've got to have a bit of luck and the right sequence of people in your life, people who you ride for, people who you work for, people who you work with, agents, trainers, and so forth. Who have been the most significant influences, do you think, for for you, professionally?
1: I think... um... When I kind of broke through and, and, you know, like I was leading Apprentice one year and then I kind of went missing for a couple of seasons. You know, it's like the drop off. Um,
0: so you remember that, nobody else does?
1: You obviously remember what, whatever you do throughout your career. But I did, I, I had a couple of quiet seasons and um, my agent at the time uh, said to me that um, Kevin Ryan had been watching me ride and he'd just been wondering where I'd gone. And um, he said, I want to have a meeting with him. And so obviously Kevin had a plan. I think Fergal Lynch was riding for him at the time. So Kevin obviously had a plan that he was going to change tack. And so luckily for me, when I did meet him, I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, young up and coming trainer, Irish. He's got a lot of big owners, and um, he was training a lot of winners. And um, he's come looking for me. Um. And then when I started riding for him, like, Kevin just instilled so much confidence in me. He just literally would say, listen, I'm the trainer, you're the jockey. I train him, you ride him. And I was like, this is good, this is easy. So I just go out and ride the horses on field. And I suppose that was the biggest influence for me because he put the confidence into me. And um, I think I rode like five, six years for him. And uh, we had a lot of big success together. And then that was a big influence on me going to Hong Kong.
0: And what about the late Michael Jarvis? Because you were second jockey, first of all, to, to Philip Robinson, weren't you, for, yeah. for, for Michael? Um, he, he's been quite an important figure in a lot of people's lives. Um, tell me a little bit about riding for him.
1: Well, no disrespect to anybody else, but um, I just always thought Michael was the best trainer I ever rode for. Because um, he just had that old-school mentality, you know. He just, um, the the respect, uh, the honesty, the just, I don't know. It's just everything about him. Michael just, I have a picture in my house, uh, in my office, and it's just a picture of Michael on the gallops. And it's, anybody walks in, they wouldn't even know it was him. It's in black and white. And it's just quite poignant that... um, it's him just at the top of the gallops. And um, it takes centre stage in my office. And um, I'm, I'm still quite close to his uh, his wife, uh, Gay, and, and, and daughter, Jackie, who's now married to Tom Clover in their training. So, But, um, you know, once once um, Philip kind of went into retirement and I kind of took over and I rode for Michael for a season, it's a shame I wasn't longer because I just loved riding for him. It was just so easy to, it was a bit like riding for Kevin, just so easy to ride for. And um, very, very, very loyal. <clears throat> and um, just, I've just hit it all in a nutshell. He's just, just so good to write for.
0: And, and he was never man who, who said an awful lot. Well, he didn't need to. He, he didn't need to be over-demonstrative or too showy. He just seemed to be able to inspire people and inspire a lot of love and warmth from people who he, who he, he was close to and worked with.
1: And I think that uh, comes down to, like, I think it's, it's old school. <clears throat> um, you know, even Clive Britton, when I was riding for him for a few seasons, a great, great, great success with him. A lot of good fillies, <clears> Hibby <throat> in and the Phillies Mile and all that. But um, a lot of respect, a lot of loyalty. And <clears throat> if there was ever a problem, they'd come and approach you and, and, and talk it through. And actually, if it was an owner that didn't want to use you or whatever you know, you're going to get taken off one. They come and chat to you and you actually walk away, like obviously disappointed, but you walk away thinking, do you know what, I don't feel so bad now because it's better than just being like getting a hammer dropped on you and you're just, you're off it and that's it, move on. You know, so I suppose, like you say, when Michael didn't really have to say much, but he was so well respected and um, I had a massive amount of respect for him. And uh, it's just a shame I couldn't write for him longer
0: you list all the people that have been big influences on you and you talk about your family members but also for michael jarvis and um kevin ryan and 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 clive Britton. it strikes me now you've really kind of explained why you were so well equipped to take a you know a huge journey like the one you went to hong kong because you had this this great context to set it against you knew what being a good trainer was you knew what it was to ride for people who were Exceptional at their job, you knew what good man managers were. you understood the skills of of diplomacy, sort of
1: <laughs> yeah, but i know i i also I also knew how to take this appointment as well, so, yeah um I suppose yes, yeah, it does it, it, it but that's that's all about growing up in in not just as a person but in your career. You learn along the way, you either learn or you don't learn, and if you don't learn, well, then you fall away very quickly so. I always felt that life in itself is a learning curve. But going through my career, learning all these these things and working with these sort of people and having the respect and being given the respect and also seeing the bad side of things and the good side of things, that when I did go to Hong Kong, I knew what disappointment was and I knew how to push myself. Yeah. And I knew that, when you are down, nobody's going to pick you up. You've got to pick yourself up. And coming back to being a tough person myself, I suppose all those things kind of helped me that when I did go there, that even in my first season, like I rode two winners in three months. And I went away um, to Thailand for a week before I came back. And I knew I had to go back to Hong Kong to pick my stuff up. And they knew. And one of the jockeys had a, had a fall and broke his arm and then there was a few jockeys out, so they were very light on jockeys, and they knew I had to go back. And they asked me to ride on that Sunday. So I was like, yeah, okay, I've got to go back there. I may as well wait till Sunday. It's like three days. (coughs) And um, I was like, how do I book the rides? I haven't got the the phone for the (laughs) entries. I haven't got any information. I'm in Thailand, so it's an hour behind, so the entries are going to come out at the wrong time. How do I book the rides? And they be like, "Well, get your phone and I start ringing the trainers." So I did, and uh, I literally sat by the pool. There was ten races on the Sunday. I got nine rides. I got my first two rides for Ricky U. He's the first trainer I rang. They both one. I got two rides off John Moore. I got two rides off another. One off another. I had two winners out of the nine rides. Five of them were in the first four and I never forget we went to the airport that evening and I said to my wife I said they can help you if they want and that's what put it in my head I was like I'm coming back and I came back and then I did like three to five months and then I stayed.
0: Because that's the thing I guess you have to condition yourself to the fact that it is disappointment because they're huge fields, competitive <laughs> races you simply can't ride a winner in every race it's gonna be low percentage stuff Whenever I saw you ride a big race winner in Hong Kong, I've rarely seen anyone show such intense emotion on your face. Is that, is that because you, you had to put so much into it to get that one moment of glory out?
1: Yeah, because I felt like... Um, look, I'm not the only one. Every jockey that goes out there has a period where they kind of have a breaking-in period. That, like, you don't just land there. Mm. Like Joe's probably an exception. Like He just landed there and just kicked up, but a lot of jockeys that go there, some are kind of like brought in and portrayed as like they're just superstars and they're going to take off, and some don't. And then you got the, the jockeys like me, who are like kind of top five, not champion jockeys, that are not built up as the big superstars. So you kind of like have to push yourself through that barrier. And you either go home between your tail, with your tail and your legs, or you persevere and you keep pushing and prove yourself. And I think that's what I was doing. I just was trying to prove myself every day because, you know, when you win on a Sunday, you give one a bad ride on the Wednesday, well, then the following week you've got to face that trainer and you've got to fight to get back on the ride. So I think every time I was winning, I felt like I was proving myself and proving myself to show them that I was good enough to stay there.
0: What was your best moment, do you think?
1: In Hong Kong? Mm. I think my best, my best moment in Hong Kong was winning the, the QE2 on Blazing Speed. Um, unbelievable day. Um, it's funny, because my, my wife was meant to come that day, and <laughs> my kids weren't behaving very well, so she's still at home. <laughs> but because we live on site, there's a gate that comes true onto the track. and um, I'd been looking for my wife in the paddock. I didn't see her. And going out onto the track, I didn't see her. And I thought, oh, this is strange. Anyway, went past the winning line, went around the, the, the pull-up area, and cantered um, back. And my wife brought all the kids out from the gate by the rail. So I it back and pulled the horse up by the rail. And so all the kids were there. So it was quite a cool one. Really good.
0: Special moment. (laughs) Look at that. With this? You want a bit more of that, don't you?
1: Yeah, I want it back in England. Yeah, I do. I love the big time.
0: So how much much can you want it now? Having experienced that intensity, having experienced that level of competition every time you go racing, how does it feel to you now when you go to a quiet race meeting here with not many people here? How do you get yourself up for it?
1: Um... It's a big adaption back, but, you know, I went from here to there and had to change to ride there because, like, the racing is so sharp. You have to be so fast out of the gates, position, you know, everything, you have to be so sharp. Here's a little bit more chilled, so I've had to kind of come back, reverse back into that position Mm. and the way of of riding. And going back to, say, go to a quiet meeting... Hong Kong has been quiet for the last 18 months. There hasn't been public going to the races, so it has been very quiet.
0: But you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I know.
1: The intensity of the racing is still quite intense and it's tight and it's competitive. But I knew what to expect coming back because I rode here before. And um, so I kind of had my mind set knowing that I was coming back to what I was coming back to. And the thing, I, I, I love riding in England. I love the race riding. The travelling's not great. It's changed a lot. Um, the prize money is is not very good. I don't really look at it. I just want to go out and try and win. Uh, but I think even. But the, s-
0: but the sun told me that you'd earn thirty-seven point one million pounds now, so it doesn't really matter.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, but I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be here if I was uh, at thirty-seven. I wouldn't. Be they didn't realise
0: you don't actually get to keep all of it.
1: No, no, no. So look, you know, it's the amount of money I accumulated. Um, I've got four kids, a lot to pay for, so, you know. Anyway, look, it, it was worth going, just put it that way. Yeah. Um, but going back to what you're saying, coming back to here, I know I know, and I knew what to expect. So I'm more than happy to go to these meetings um, because, A, I love winning because this is my job. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. This is why we do it. It's the winning. Um, so I want to build that back up and I think because we're so far into this season I think for me it's just about building contacts I just want to build contacts I want to show everybody that I'm back and I want to succeed uh, and I want to get back to where I was when I when I left
0: if I was booking a jockey for tomorrow why should I book Neil Callan?
1: because I'm Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> no no look, um because I want to win And I'm strong and I can win as good as any jockey in England. So, you know, I was uh, top five before I left and that's where I want to be. That's what I want to get back up to. So, you know, I'm determined to get up there. So put me back on. Give me all the winners.
0: Neil Callan, thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much, It's been a pleasure. Luck on Sunday. Proudly
0: sponsored by Al Equuel Dubai.